I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. And welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast. Big, big news coming out of the club this morning. Chris Wilder sacked after 11 months in charge. Just 10 points picked up from the opening 11 games so far this season. A Middlesbrough statement was released this morning, which read, Middlesbrough Football Club have terminated the contract of manager Chris Wilder with immediate effect. Leo Perkovic will take over first-team affairs in the interim basis, assisted by Craig Liddell, Mark Tinkler and Lee Catamol. The club would like to place on record its thanks to Chris and his staff for all of their hard work over the past 11 months. I'm really disappointed with this because I thought we were on to a good thing with Chris Wilder. We'll get into it. There is somebody that isn't here today, which is Johnny, the the jammy jammy Johnny, we're going to call him because he's currently living it up in Spain. But he did send us a video to give us his thoughts on Wilder's dismissal. Trust me, I go away to Spain and then all of this happens, you know, there's me enjoying a a nice cloudy day just outside of Torrio Vecca and uh, this happens. Uh, But Chris Wilder gone, you know, I'm surprised by it. Not really. I think Wilder um, was on borrowed time. And I think it was on borrowed time probably from April, really. It felt like there was a lot of trust lost when he was linked with Burnley. There's probably more trust lost when he was linked with Bournemouth. And I felt that's a bit of the nail in the coffin for him. And with with the poor performances, it probably coincided in that. But with, with Borough, this, this dates back to a longer, a longer time and, and picture because when I'm looking at Borough now, I'm, I'm thinking... When have we got it right off the pitch? And there's only really one time since McLaren that we have, and that was with Karanga in charge. You know, we had the players, we had the identity, we had the direction we want to go into. And successful teams always have people doing the jobs the best they can, having the duty to, to really succeed. And for me, we haven't had that probably over the last few years. You know, I think the appointment of Kieran Scott is, is perfect for us because we're going in a much better sustainable direction, which is here for the long term, but also giving us the direction and clarity off the pitch, and that will work eventually. We need patience for that. But in terms of 
of Wilder and, and where we're dating back to. Wilder, I think he's been disloyal and probably have to go uh, for, for what's happened. But off the pitch, we have to give these managers the right platform, the right opportunity and the right background to really give them the chance to succeed. Because I feel like every manager we've had has had to complain about how deals are getting done, recruitment's not right, or something's going wrong behind the scenes. And, and, I, and look, frustrations are high in football, egos are quite big. But we have to get that right, and we haven't been able to do that. And it's a shame that we've lost a manager with probably great calibre, really, and a really good CV, and it hasn't been successful at the club. But I wouldn't say the future is not bright still. You know, we can still get a good manager in. And I think Edwards, from who, who's just been, who's just lost that, uh, left at Watford, sorry. And I think he could be a really good appointment for us if we were to bring him in. But it comes back to having the identity. Are we getting the right deals? And are we getting the right players? Are we getting the right characters in the dressing room? Are we getting the right manager? It's very difficult, but also it comes from the top, and everyone's seen from the same hymn sheet. It was difficult. I think right now we're, we're in a difficult moment right now, but I think fans need to be patient with. The next appointment this is going to be a long-term job and it has to be a long-term job because we have a, a, a big mess and we need that to be cleaned up. And it's a shame that things haven't worked out, but I'm very, very excited to see what the future holds. And uh, But first, I'm going to really enjoy my last few days in Spain and uh, not think about the Borough at all, um, but up the Borough. And uh, I hope we uh, win under Leo Persevic. I can't believe I'm actually saying that, but up the Borough and up the Borough breakdown. See, absolute jammy get leaving us in this absolute chaos. Um, but Johnny there talking about his thoughts on Chris Wilder's departure. Tom, tell me what you're thinking about it. Still in shock. I mean, first off, I just want to say nice touch, Johnny, putting the Borough shirt on for that video. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you know for a, you know for a fact below the camera it was just speedos, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just still in shock. To be honest, I. Um... I'd gotten to work this morning uh, before finding out and I'd seen a couple of articles uh, just kind of like breaking down what had happened over the weekend and why Wednesday is so important for Wilder and stuff like that. And I didn't think that this was going to happen today uh, because I Mm -hmm. thought if it's going to happen after Saturday, it would have been yesterday or or like straight after the game like it was with Warnock. So I didn't think... The, that this was going to be something I'd seen today. I'd literally, I'd gone to the kitchen to make a coffee at work, came back, and my mate across the, sat across from me was like, have you seen the news? Wilder's gone. Like, I'm not even not even joking. And I was like, what? Bloody hell, that's, that's mad, that. And then I was like straight on, on Twitter and uh, checking what had happened. But yeah, like I was just, I was just shocked about it. But I, I feel like it was coming. Um uh, like like you said, I, I thought we were onto a winner with him. Um, as I said on yesterday's podcast, I wasn't completely sold him, uh, sold on him when uh, when he first came in. I just thought, uh, you know, he failed recently at Sheffield United. I wasn't kind of a big fan of playing five at the back. But in in fairness, when you know that that first kind of half of his tenure, it's kind of really changed my mind on that. Um, but it. What was it? Some like four wins in, in twenty four games or something like that. Like something had to change. We were saying it yesterday, and it turns out it's the manager that had to change. We just saw weird on Saturday, mm-hmm. didn't we? And yeah. that team, 
some people put it forward as a sack me plea. My dad was saying it was a statement to the board saying that you haven't delivered me the targets that I wanted. This is what you're getting in return. And that was a very bold team selection that had to pay off and it just didn't. I was listening to Sky, Sky Blue Fans TV, their podcast afterwards, and even they were just so confused at what Bora delivered and it felt like a very significant point that Wilder was making but I am just really disappointed because I thought we were onto a good thing I actually thought we'd struck gold with Chris Wilder a manager that when he took over at Middlesbrough could have probably and should probably have been in a Premier League club he's of that quality I know we haven't seen it so it's probably not the right time for me to be saying that but when he took over, I think he could have got a Premier League job. So it was a coup, if you will, for, for Bora to have brought him in. But this decision feels like it has been made not just with results in mind, but with off-the-field matters, very much in the thinking of Steve Gibson and core. And I made the point yesterday on the podcast. I can't believe we podcasted yesterday and it's already out of date. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mentioned, and I didn't know whether this was a controversial point, but I said that I just don't think he's the right fit, which is ridiculous because I remember saying and thinking at the time of his appointment, he is perfect for us. It's exactly what we needed. I, I even said after the Man United game in the Cup, he's, he's the best thing that's happened to Millsborough Football Club in years. But I was just thinking over the weekend, maybe he isn't the right fit for us because I think Wilder wanted more than what Borough were willing to give him. And Borough are, I guess, in a way, what was described to me in a meeting uh, last week, completely unrelated to Borough, but I'll fit it into this context anyway, is they're in the journey or on the journey to the start. And Wilder was more of a tomorrow kind of guy and Borough were a club that were thinking about next year, for example. So Wilder probably wanted that success a little bit more imminently than Borough were, were planning. Um, so it's just it's just a massive, massive disappointment, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, uh, like I was saying on, on yesterday's pod, which, as you mentioned, is now out of date. Um, <laughs> I, I, Should delete still... it, shouldn't we? There's no point in it now. <laughs> I still think like Wilder was back to an extent. Like he's been after Lenahan for years. We've known that, um, and and he's been brought in. Uh, monitors just went off there, so just went <laughs> plunged into darkness. Um, yeah, so he, he's been brought in, and you don't bring in the, the likes of Giles and Stefan if you're planning on staying in this division for another year with with the wages that they will be on and that, that we'll be you know contributing to. So. With with that being said, I don't understand the whole, um, you know, while they're kind of like making statements with with selections and, mm. you know, in in the uh, the interview after the game, saying Jokeres is the best player in the division, he might have a point, but like, there's no need to to kind of like point that out because it it was very clearly a shot at the recruitment, and and one thing I've noticed. Um, this season in comparison to last, you know, remember the second half of last season, if we were a goal down and chasing the lead, he'd be yes. bringing every striker on. He'd mm. be going for the Steve McLaren tactic of bringing four <laughs> or five strikers on, yep. launch it into the box and hope someone diving at uh, in, the, in the last minute like Macaroni. He's not been doing that this year. It's been very like-for-like changes. And even though he's had the attacking options on the bench, even if we have been chasing the game, he's just kind of refused to to use them in that uh, in that situation. So I definitely do think there was something 
not right with recruitment, but I, I blame Wilder for that more than the recruitment team, to be honest. Because um, there's no way under our new structure, you know, Wilder was the first appointment under under Kieran Scott, for example, and you know it was well uh, well known last summer under Warnock that we were changing direction. There's no way that Wilder comes into this t- uh, into this club thinking that he's going to have the final sale for all the transfers and, uh, you know, Kieran Scott's just there to kind of, like, green light them. There's definitely a long-term vision there, so I don't know why he's kind of so opposed. Well, he was so opposed to to a lot of these signings. And, yeah, it just became clear um, over, over the past few weeks, that, especially the... He wasn't going to use some of these players. The whole development signings thing, I thought, was a bit of a farce from him. And hate that. Hate it when managers come out and say that. I feel like it's insulting to the fans, to be honest. Uh, it's insulting to the fans and the players. I, I'd be really, mm, yeah. re- really annoyed if I was uh, Marcus Force or, or Matthew Hoppy, especially, you know, Force was in a good place at Brentford. Um, he's in the Premier League. He's probably still going to get, you know, some uh, some cameo appearances here and there. Um, might get a loan out to a club that will actually use him in the championship like Hull did last year. Fair enough, he, he didn't kind of score a lot when he was there, but probably says a lot more about Hull's quality of team than, yeah. than it does him. 100%. But both, both him and Hoppy have played for their national team, so I, I don't understand how you can kind of say that the development players. And I think the the tweet and the Facebook post, probably the Instagram post as well, but I haven't seen that from uh, from the club today, were were very telling in that they've just kind of came out and said, uh, Middlesbrough FC can confirm that we've terminated Chris Wilder's contract with immediate effect. That to me doesn't sound like, you know, the, the standard manager getting sacked, he's leaving with our best wishes yeah. or anything. They haven't said it's by mutual consent. They haven't said, oh, He's, he's no longer going to continue in this role or, or whatever wording you want to put to it. It's terminated with immediate effect. Yeah, that's Putting a that really strong point. word as well, isn't it? Because usually you see yeah. um, you see something a little bit softer than that, but that felt hard yeah. and point, particularly pointed. Yeah, definitely. Like, so I don't... I don't yeah, exactly. So I, I, I think this goes a lot further than, than just what we've seen on the pitch this season. I, I think there's always been rumours this season about some sort of discontent, uh, disconnect between him and him and the board. I'm now wondering if that was the case because that seemed very uh, cutting. Yeah, well, Sammy Mockbell from uh, the Daily Mail said that there was differences over opinion regarding recruitment. This was in an article last week when uh, Wilder was linked with Bournemouth. And then Alex Crook from TalkSport earlier on said that the relationship between Wilder and Gibson broke down. Now, Wilder was lucky to stay in the job after the whole Burnley fiasco. I think it's very well known now that that was more than what we thought it was. And I've obviously said I thought it was just nonsense from the bookies. It was more than that. And it I think that was the beginning of the end for him because as soon as there's fractures behind the scenes and tensions you're never really going to repair that. You know, Karanka, when he walked out against, uh, or just before the, the Charlton game, he was able to repair that, but only for a, a certain amount of time because as soon as the going got tough, it was like, you're off. 
and Karanka got through it because the results were good. And the core issue of this uh, at the end of the day is the results on the football pitch. Because if there's fractures behind the scenes, you can kind of paper over those cracks with good performances and good results. But Borough, I mean, we started the season playing all right or playing good. We probably deserve more than what we got in certain games. But then probably from, I would say, maybe just before the Cardiff game or the Cardiff game, our performances just got worse. And that one on uh, Saturday was particularly telling. And I know we look back on this with hindsight and I guess we psychoanalyse and reflect. But it was telling and the players just looked so flat. And I also thought it was interesting that Wilder basically set up shop to to be defensive hmm. because that's not what we have become accustomed to under Wilder. That's something that I would have probably said Warnock would do. Pandering to the opposition is what we usually said last, uh, last season when Warnock was in charge. But to come to a side like Coventry, who have been struggling, and don't get me wrong, I think Coventry are a good side. Matt Robbins is a, is a great manager, and they probably should be higher up on the table than they are. They've, of course, had their issues with their pitch at, at the CBS. But they're bottom of the table, and their confidence because of that, they're playing catch-up, this sort of um, psychology of it. Why are we going to a side that has struggled so far this season to set up to be defensive and you drop not only Jones, but you drop Giles as well. That was absolutely bizarre to me. And it's so easy to say it now because we know that he's obviously gone, but that was very telling. And I think tells me anyway, that he probably knew that he was on borrowed time. But I think what we need now from Borough, and this is what I said on the last podcast, we need communication. We need transparency. They don't need to tell us the dirty secrets they really don't they just need to be open with us and tell us what the direction is because we are in a cycle now Johnny has said it so many times and this is this is what Middlesbrough has become a lot of football clubs get tarred with reputations you know Watford Hiram Fire Spurs Spursy Bottlers Borough's reputation and Borough's label is to basically be a club that will try to sell this direction of, right, we're moving forward in a certain way with a certain style, certain manager, certain players. But then things don't fit. It's always square pegs in round holes. And then all of a sudden we're looking back and we've gotten rid of a manager who has complained about recruitment, who's complained about the lack of backing from the board. And then we bring somebody else in and we think, oh, this is fine. It, it, it seems like it's the right fit. But it isn't because Borough don't make it the right fit. And it's just this constant endless endless cycle where I think the people at the top of the club do need to, to be questioned a little bit. And don't get me wrong, Steve Gibson has been fantastic and will continue to be fantastic at this football club in terms of the business side of things. But the footballing decisions, you know, the next manager that we have will be our fourth manager since 2020. That was two years ago. I know it feels like about 20 years ago because of COVID, but that was two years ago. We've had Woodgate, Warnock, Wilder, and then the next manager to come in before the close of the year. That's just what Middlesbrough have become now, uh, a club that doesn't promote stability because I feel like, and do you ever feel like this, Tom, that Borough have a direction, but they just don't really know how, what to do with it or how to really breed it into what they want 
I did when Woodgate got hired, and to be honest, like just just a quick point there. I've just realised that we've got more W's in our last three managers than we have this season. So yes, yes, I was thinking that earlier. I'm so glad you mentioned that bloody hell. Um, <laughs> well, at least we're winning in something. So I, I did think I did think it with Woodgate um, because there was all the stuff about you know the golden threads and. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Woodgate had some good ideas. Uh, in in fairness to him, he wanted to play four three three. He wanted to play attacking football. He wanted that all the way through the club, so that any youth players who were you know had that pathway to the first team were already drilled in playing that style. And I still think you know that's something that we're I think that we're doing now uh, with the, like the under twenty three. So, so <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I thought that was a good idea. It just it didn't seem like he have ever had the tools he needed to to make it work. And don't get me wrong, this isn't me saying that I thought Woodgate was a great manager or anything because I thought he did okay with with Bournemouth. But it's very much in kind of like the the Scott Parker thing of like we we could have got that team promoted. Uh, the mm-hmm. the quality was there. It, it was kind of like footy manager. He just needed to put the players into the right positions and motivate them with with the team talk. Um, but we didn't give him those tools here. I mean, it was a shocking transfer window for him at first. So you, you know, he had four players signed, uh, Marcus Brown, Dyke Steele, Bowler and Mahias. Um And there was gaps left in the coaching staff as well. Yeah, and that was really of, important as well for Borough to rectify, and they just didn't. Yeah, there was just no experience there. And I know Steve Round was linked at the time uh, to come in. I think... From what I what I heard, he wanted to be director of football, and we yeah, wanted him as assistant like manager or something like that. So we end up with Robbie Keane as assistant manager. So I I don't think we like I think we had the idea then. It's just we couldn't make it work. But I, I'm not as worried now uh, with Kieran Scott coming in um, because for me, I, I do think that there is still a clear direction. Um, and even with getting rid of Wilder, I'm a lot more confident now that the next manager is going to fit the the players that we already have, um, rather than you know, for example, we tempt Karanka to come back and then we've got to adapt to playing four two three one again and 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 stuff like that. I fully believe that you know we'd be playing three or five at the back. Um, and and using very very similar um, style of play and, and and players and stuff, it'll just be, you know, certain players are, are going to have more chance of getting picked now, like Marcus Force. So, um, yeah, I, I've I've got more faith in us now that we are heading in the right direction. I think we've got a lot more of the the tools there that we need. Um, you know, Kieran Scott's kind of really really rebuilt the. The scouting side of things, we just hired Chris Jones as a scout. Um, I think there, there was um, framework put into place in terms of analysis and and stuff like that. So I'm fully expecting this to be more kind of like what Brentford did when they were in the championship. Like, you know, if if one of their managers left, they either hired, promoted an assistant or hired someone else who was in the same mould, could work with that, that model. I think that's what we're going to do now. I'm, I'm not worried that, you know, like you say, we've got this reputation of kind of like getting rid of managers after a year now. 
I'm not worried that we're going to bring in a manager with a completely different style and it's going to take another year to get used to that. I really think it's going to be someone who can come in and work with the existing squad and, and get better results from it. I think what I would, how I'd describe it is probably all the ideas, but botched execution. I'd probably say because as you mentioned there with with Woodgate, whether he was a good manager or not, I think it's it's up for debate. A lot of people say he wasn't, but he just didn't have the right tools. You've got Robbie Keane as an assistant. You've got inexperience within inexperience. And with Wilder, I think the more that you think about it, the more it just wasn't going to work. Because as I mentioned, I think he was the type of manager that brings about this expectation of success and promotion in the short to midterm and fans are going to start getting restless when that isn't kind of happening or being fulfilled or being on the journey to being fulfilled and I just think they were on different paths which is is ironic because somebody was in our quote tweets earlier uh, with the clip that we put from I think it might have been Wilder's first or second press conference where he was talking about the Sheffield United rumours and the reports that he was apparently um, not on the same wavelength as the director of football at, at Bramall Lane and he fell out with them and things like that. And he said, that's a lot of nonsense. And at Middlesbrough, we're all on the same page. Well, clearly, in the end, they weren't on the same page and that has ultimately led to his dismissal. Uh, but we've got a question from from Matty on our Telegram chat. If you want to join our Telegram chat, it's very, very simple. It's on the Leveller website. You just need to sign up with your email. It is completely free. Join all of the craziness in there. It's absolutely mad, but it's wonderful. Um, he asks, uh, disregarding the results, what do you think the main factor was in the decision to sack Wilder? Uh, I, I think, kind of like I said earlier, there, there was clearly a disconnect between him and um, you know the the people above him in the uh, the club hierarchy. Um, I've I've given this example on the last couple of podcasts, but it, it seems very much kind of like the um, American kind of like general manager uh, head coach dynamic where the general manager or director of football in this case uh, was bringing in players that he thinks are going to fit the team and fit the vision. And the head coach is, is refusing to play them, which I think, you know, it, it doesn't work as well in, in English sports as it it does in, in American, because in American there's like a limited, more limited number of uh of players you can have uh, to, to select from. I think in, in this case, uh, you know, Wilder was always going to. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, to kind of pick the players he wanted to pick and he, he had more power to, to leave the other ones out. Um, so I, I feel like, and uh, it, it's all speculation because we don't know, but I feel like it was probably to do with recruitment, just judging by you know, certain players not getting a chance. Um, and I don't think these uh, these rumours have, have, have really helped either. I think when you've got a manager who's unhappy with recruitment like that, um, and, and you know, supposedly there was, there was rumours that he was unhappy with how we were planning for the summer around the time of the Burnley links as well. Um, I, I think when you've got an uh, unhappy manager like that, he's always probably going to entertain these links. So... It's. Um, it, it, I think I still feel like it's on him um, for for not kind of being more willing to to work as part of that team and and, and bring these players through because I feel like he he clearly has the the ability to do it. It's just um, I don't know maybe a little bit of ego or something involved in that one. Mm, definitely, and I mean, there's so many reports that Chris Wilder was flirting with other jobs interested in other jobs his I guess his party his side his agency whatever was trying to push or were trying to push sorry uh, for another move at another club and you know what I'm if that's true and I think it probably is just given the sheer volume of reports that suggest that he was flirting with other jobs and with other clubs that is so, so disappointing to me because I remember Rob Nichols of Flabby to the Moon asked me to do a piece uh, at the beginning of the season and it was just after we went to um, the Q&A and he said, he he was talking about the players, he was talking about him and then they said the words all in. So I did my article saying all in with Chris Wilder or something like that and yet it seems as though Chris Wilder just wasn't as all in as we were led to believe. And another funny thing, from his first press conference, he said the words bluffer and spinner, which I have absorbed into my vocabulary since. And in the end, I'm afraid to say that Chris Wilder was a bluffer and a spinner himself, which is somewhat ironic. But you talked about recruitment issues that they always get the the brunt of the blame and the criticism of the recruitment team. A lot of Bora fans really disappointed with the way that they have ultimately not backed Wilder in the, in their eyes uh, this summer. Do you think he wasn't backed? No. Tom? I, I feel like he just didn't want to use the players that he was provided with. As I said earlier, I don't think you get players like Clark, Lenahan, Giles, Stefan, if they're not backing you. Uh, you. You would get League One signings to, to develop in those positions. We've clearly signed those players with the view that we're not planning on staying in this division for long, going upwards, not downwards, by the way. So, yeah. um, well, there are no no excuse <laughs> for that one. But I, I, I just I don't feel like he can say he wasn't backed. Maybe in terms of strikers, mm. and there obviously are a, a couple of um, you know spots still missing in, in in terms of the midfield. But 
he was given strikers, he just didn't want to use them. And in the midfield, yeah, fair enough. I think we would have all preferred that Tav didn't leave, or if you know, if, if he did have to go, which. Uh, like I said at the time, he's probably been told multiple times just one more season. Um, so it, it's fair that he has a, a shot at the Premier League, but at least get someone else lined up before you let him let him go. I feel like midfield's probably the only area of recruitment this season where I can be a little bit critical of, um, it, it just because of how short we were left by not only Tav leaving, but also the decision to leave uh, Lone Piero out. Uh, whether or not he was adapting to this country or not, but we still didn't have anyone else there to to back him up. Um, so, like I say, I, I think he was backed um, as much as we possibly can. I still fully expect us to, to sign midfielders in January. I feel like that'll be a priority area. Um, I think it's telling that Luongo is only on a short-term deal until then because it's either he's going to do a, a don't know what more and win himself a deal for uh, for uh, a little bit further, or he's going to be gone and then we're going to be looking at uh, you know adding more quality to that midfield. But he's he's had decent players provided for him, and in the case of the strikers, he's, it's just he didn't want to use them. I agree completely. I don't fully buy into the idea that he wasn't backed. And I'll, em- I'll emphasise the word fully there because I do agree with what you said there about uh, the strikers. That's probably what sticks out like a sore thumb because none of the strikers that we've got, uh, clearly they're not wilder signings. We know that Moon is isn't because we were linked with him and wanted him when Warnock was here. And even then we thought he's not a Warnock target. He's the target of somebody above him, um, the recruitment team. Uh, Force just hasn't been used. I do not know why he didn't get on the pitch against Coventry uh, and McNair came on instead as a, as a right-sided defender, for God's sake. And then Matthew Hoppy's <laughs> played more for our under-21s, which is such a, sh- a shame because I thought that he would have more involvement than he has. But I agree with you. I think on paper, we recruited in most positions pretty well. And... Listen, I don't think it was a great transfer window, but it wasn't disastrous either. We did bring in some some great players. <clears throat> Lenahan is a is a good level championship player. Matt Clark is as well. You know, Alex Moore even. I, I don't think that we brought in bad players here. We've just obviously they've not been performing very well, but that doesn't make them bad players. And then Ryan Giles as well. That is the perfect signing. He would get into any team in the championship that plays wing backs. He is a fantastic addition but yeah up front it does stick out but I don't agree that he wasn't fully backed but I'd like to hear what other people think um listeners if if you want to get involved pop a comment below in the YouTube video or tweet us borough underscore breakdown Facebook the borough breakdown podcast and Instagram borough breakdown as well without the full stop in between because that's just a random fan page and that is not us but uh reported replacements Tom Rob Edwards, the firm favourite, according to the Gazette. Uh, Gibson and, and Kieran Scott will speak to him in the next few days, uh, report the Northern Echo, uh, who also say that Bora are interested in Gary O'Neill. And if that ever happens, I'm going to support Sunderland. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm gone. Um, Corbyn and uh, Matt Robbins also of interest. Uh, Graham Bailey was reporting that. Out of the list of managers that I've mentioned there and others that you've seen early favourites with the bookies um what are your thoughts on them does anyone stand out for you 
Um, well, Gary O'Neill stands out as someone I absolutely do not want to come back to this club. Um, <laughs> you know, ever since that's been been kind of like broken today, that interview that he did where he said he got the intentional yellow has been going around as well. And yeah, I just I feel, feel like that if we made that appointment, that would go down absolutely shockingly. Funnily enough, um, I feel like Leo and Lee Catamol are uh, exactly who we need in charge for Millwall away on Saturday. So. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I, that's so true. <laughs> absolutely love the thought of that. And in fact, bring Ledbetter up to, to join them in the first team. It'd be like having free Roy Kent as the manager from Tedlock, so it'd be absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think from Rob Edwards, Corbin and Robbins, I'd be happy with any of them. Uh, Rob Edwards seems like he would be a, a good fit in terms of the, the head coach mould. Um, you know, he, he came through at Wolves, was it? Um, yeah. Was it on, was it under Bruno where he was he was coaching there? Um, um I, I was not, reading not, not Bruno. Sorry, Nuno. I'm thinking of Bruno Lage. <laughs> Nuno. <laughs> it might have been. Um, he did mention Graham Taylor in an athletic piece with Adam Leventhal, and he also mentioned Kenny Jacket, which is uh, one extreme to the <laughs> other there. But um, maybe, maybe. <clears throat> I was going to say, I, I think it. I think I saw something today that said he left in 2019 or something to go to Forest Green. And I, I can't remember if that was around uh, the time Nuno was still there, but Nuno yeah. played with yeah, wing backs, so I, I don't, you know, mind the the fact that he's kind of like learned from him. He's clearly had success at Forest Green. Watford, I think no no one seriously expected that to last. Um, but I suppose if you're a manager, you know, and Watford come in. Uh, and offer you a contract, you know that you're getting a massive payoff in about 10 games time anyway, so <laughs> financially it makes sense. Um, <laughs> so I, I feel like Rob Edwards would probably be a good fit. Um, actually, I saw a, a rumour on Wanborough earlier as well that if he is coming in, we're also looking at bringing in Liam Rossini as uh, a, a part of the coaching staff, which I also really wouldn't mind at all because I think yeah, he's I'd quite like uh, you know, a great coach. And I, I feel like a lot of... Rooney's success at Derby last season could also be put down to him as well. Um, Corberan and Robbins, I'd prefer Robbins of the two, um, but I feel like Corberan would probably help us get closer to my pre-season prediction of us becoming a, a threat from set pieces. Um, <laughs> and also, I, I feel like he's he can switch it up a lot more tactically. Um but in any of those three, I'd, I'd be particularly happy with. And and like I say, if it is Rob Edwards and, you know, that rumour is true about Rossini coming in, I quite like that angle that where we're bringing in a young head coach, uh, we're bringing in a, a young, highly rated coach for the coaching staff. Uh, Rob Edwards will obviously have his own staff as well. Um, I think it'll just work pretty well. And I think that dynamic that I was talking about earlier um, almost like the whole general man- manager, head coach uh, system. I think that that would work a lot better uh, with Rob Edwards in charge than it has done for, for Wilder, who um, is probably more of a, a typical manager. And, you know, he, he was manager rather than head coach. So um, I, I think a head coach model would work better in this scenario. If it's Corber, and I hope he doesn't bring that assistant with him because I can't deal with Bora having somebody on the coaching staff with better eyebrows than me. But uh, Leo, a point on Leo and, and Catamol, such an interesting, um, well, it's a it's a quartet, isn't it? With uh, Mark Tinkler and Craig Liddell, who, of course, was on the podcast uh, with Dicko and Johnny. 
a very interesting mix of uh, managers there. You might, or interim managers, sorry, you might as well have just plucked Ledbetter from there. You should, I don't think we have enough interim managers, to be honest. Um, but if the players can't get up for Leo on uh, Wednesday, I'd have to question their commitment to Borough because what a man, what a man yeah. to have leading that game. Oh, uh, what a story it would be if like we go undefeated under Leo and then it's just like, all right, give it Leo at the end of the season <laughs> <laughs> and he gets us up because that, that would be absolutely quality. You know what? If he gets us promoted, bring uh, I saw back as his assistant. Just so that comes full circle as well. <laughs> You've asked a really good question, actually. Um, whether Leo will wear a suit or a tracksuit. Um, <laughs> Leo wearing a <laughs> suit would just seem very, very strange. But I want to see it. I want to see it. I, I think we should get our predictions in. I still think he'll just go into tracksuit, but it'll be interesting. What about Catamolo? I think Catamolo will be, you know what, tracksuit top and still wearing like the Borough shorts. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know Robson. Uh, Leo in a grey suit and then Catamore like that and uh, Tinkler and uh, Little both in tracksuits as well. I, f- I feel like Catamore will register himself as a player and ready be ready to come on in midfield. <laughs> oh, chaotic. I love it. But the early favourite is uh, Rob Edwards. I've just done a bit of digging on him. I've got a lot of points, so bear with me. I won't be surprised if I have a horse throw and turn into Deirdre Barlow with all of the <laughs> notes I've got on the screen here. But I uh, I had a look. His most used formation is a 3-4-1-2. So Riley McGree stepped back up in that number 10 position. Um, I spoke to, to Luke, who's our resident Borough fan in the Telegram chat who actually supports Watford. Uh, he said that Rob Edwards' style of play is sustained pressure in the final third over the defensive build-up that we usually see under Chris Wilder. Uh, the team will push quite high up to press. Uh, the midfield will be less important in possession. He, he used the word bypassed. Um, at Forest Green Rovers, he had a deep link striker, which was Jamil Matt and a poacher in Matty Stevens. Uh, the Matt partnership, as it was called. And... When I think about the striker options that Borough have, it's for me, Muniz is that uh, deep link striker, the, the the target man, if you will. And then the poacher you've got at Pom or Foss. I would like to see either of those combinations. But the wing backs are crucial in that system. They are the main source of creativity. Uh, Kane Wilson got six goals and 13 assists. And then Nicky Cadden got three goals and 14 assists in uh their promotion winning season last campaign. Of course, both of those players are no longer at Forest Green Rovers. Uh, Wilson's at Bristol City and uh, Cadden's at Barnsley, I believe, but two very, very good players. I think Cam Wilson actually got the League Two player of the season for that season. But they are, uh, it is a cross heavy style, a league high 494 crosses last season. Uh, Rob Edwards said in a piece with Adam Leventhal that I mentioned earlier in The Athletic that the basic premise was ball out wide and crosses into the box. So Ryan Giles, it's perfect. I think, to be fair, Ryan Giles is is perfect for any um, manager that plays with a wing-back system, unless that manager is a Scrooge and wants to play with like a back five, like Tony Pillar's playing Dale Fry as a right-back for some reason. Um, but that's I think that's, that's perfect because Borough have lurched from one approach to another um, far too often and it's not sustainable, it's not healthy uh, because we usually see the rebuild, rebuild 5.0, rebuild 6.0, rebuild 7.0 and it's this constant overhaul of players and styles and approaches and signings that just doesn't, it doesn't culminate into a into a good mentality and a good atmosphere at the club and essentially a good philosophy. Uh, but pressing, 
is also pretty important um, as well. Now, Forest Green Rovers were top for pressures per defensive action, which is the number of opposition passes allowed per defensive action in their own third <clears throat> last season. And you can see 10.2 PPDA. So that means that they weren't allowing the opposition to have too many passes before they press them. And uh, Rob Edwards said that there were two uh, non-negotiables for them, which was five second regains and constant pressure. Now, this would worry me a little bit. I mean, Rob Edwards did say that in the championship, this was ahead of his um, season and opener with, with Watford because um, Adam Leventhal does cover Watford. But he said that in the championship, you have to adapt because obviously it's two leagues above. But I just don't think we have the players to to press so much. Um, I don't think, well, certainly based on what we've seen this season. But then I think back to last season and we did exactly that. So maybe maybe we do have the players uh, to press. Uh, Alex Mort was a pressing midfielder at, um, at Barnsley as well. So yeah, maybe we do. I was thinking about this after yesterday's pod because I feel like I was a little bit harsh on Matt Crooks uh, after the, the Coventry game, but he pressed really well at the first um, kind of half of Wilderston. Yeah, he did. I, I, I remember he was the one pretty much leading it out of, of the midfield and you know helping the right-sided striker while, while Jones was um, pressing up as well on the right-hand side. And we've not seen that from him uh, this season. Um, and like I've said a few times, it seems like we've been playing in slow motion quite a lot. So I don't know if mm. if it is kind of like a confidence issue or there has been, you know, some sort of, you know, Wilder's lost the dressing room or anything like that um, to, to kind of cause that. But, um, you know, when I, when I was talking yesterday about, like, players don't suddenly become bad overnight, like, um, you know, Matt Clark, Lenahan, uh Stefan, I, I, I gave his examples, I think. It's the same for Crooks. He was you know, one of Rotherham's best players. Um, he was one of our better players last season, I thought. He, you know, he, he didn't get into double digits with his with his goals or something. And Yeah, the first time it, a midfielder's done that since Ledbetter in 2014-15. Yeah. Double digits and goals and yellow cards. So it was absolutely fantastic. And <laughs> the perfect midfielder. He, he seemed to, to really adapt to that formation well. So... For me, something's changed this season, and I think we do have that capability to press. Um, it's just for whatever reason, it hasn't been happening this season. So if we were to hire someone like Rob Edwards, I would fully expect that um, you know someone like Crooks, and as, as you mentioned there, more could do that role. Um, it, like I say, it, it doesn't, just because they're playing poorly at the moment, doesn't mean that they're suddenly awful players that need to be shipped out and replaced with someone someone else. With good coaching, those performances can come back. Absolutely. So just a quick recap on Rob Edwards then. Uh, 3-4-1-2 slash 3-5-2. So not too dissimilar to what we have played so far this season. Um, a high-pressing team. He wants to get the ball back as soon as possible in high areas of the pitch. Um, the midfield, a little bit bypassed is what Luke said, but wing-backs really, really important. A high-crossing team. Well, just to reflect again on, on Wilder's time at the club, there were highs, and I do think that he probably delivered more highs than the the last five managers that came before him combined. But what were a few highs for you, notable games or moments under Chris Wilder? 
Well, I think the uh, the cup run has to be up there. I think that's that would be everyone's first thought. Um, that's that night at Old Trafford and that whole weekend for me, because I mentioned it was it was my birthday that weekend. And went out and, went out in Redcar the the night after and sounded like Sean Dyche <laughs> on the Sunday. So you know, that's I, what I happens when like... you go to the deck, Tom. Oh, you know what? Fantastic place. I'd absolutely go there again. Great <laughs> night. Um, Says no one I, about Redcar. I will avoid the Jager bombs from there because that was vile. But uh, <laughs> um, I'd, I'd, I'd still, you know, give credit to, to Wilder and the team for, for, for you know, an absolutely great weekend in my life for that one. The Spurs game, absolutely fantastic performance. And then there's a couple of league games as well. Derby, it was a very satisfying result to shut them up after, you know, <laughs> yeah. after after Gibson had... Um, Finally agreed the um, the resolution out of court with Mel Morris the the night before, and then I was selling fanzines that day, um, and the amount of Derby fans who seemed to have the impression that Mel Morris had somehow got one over on Steve Gibson and stuff like that. I was like, I really hope he was, he was loose today and lose heavily, and they did. <laughs> so that, that was a great game, and I would also say um, Blackpool away. Because I, I wasn't there, but that looked fantastic. I mean, everyone I know came back with COVID. Uh, suddenly, the, the, <laughs> yes. the, 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 they all recovered, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later. But um, I, I still felt felt jealous of them them all for being there because that what an end to the game that was. Yeah, Blackpool. I think for anybody that was there, especially, has to be up there with a the high. I would say, I would say Man United and Spurs. I know it's really easy to say the cup games, but Oh, just so so good the Tottenham game especially because when Corburn scored the Riverside just absolutely erupted and then after that game the players led the the clapping for O'Wilder said that won't be sung anymore but if it's Rob Edwards there's two syllables in his name so it could easily <laughs> be replaced but some really good highs which is just such a shame because it feels like this just wasn't meant to happen that I genuinely thought it was just uphill from last season and that we just keep building and it is so typical of Borough that we just can't have anything nice for very long can we because it's just it it's never meant to be and it's such a massive massive shame but yeah I think the highs last minute winners um you know what actually I'm going to change mine I'm going to say the, the Nottingham Forest game on Boxing Day because I was in Leicester um and I traveled down because my sister lives in Leicester um and I traveled down I went straight to the game and I watched the best football match that I've seen in about what seven years I think since that Brighton game at the Amex where we absolutely demolished them and and ended their unbeaten run uh, under Itokaranka it was just so good the pressing we mentioned it in the last podcast the pressing was absolutely fantastic we were so good in our combination play we looked we looked like we knew we were the shit and yet we turned to shit this season <laughs> which is just again I'll reiterate it such a massive 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 shame that it's the balloon has deflated the way that it has. But just to finish off, we usually start the podcast with a three-word review, but I want to end it on a three-word review instead. Tom, what are your three words to describe Chris Wilder's tenure at Middlesbrough? Well, the ones that came to mind were sometimes good, sometimes shit, and then I realised that was four <laughs> words. So, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just go with the disappointing end. Um, I, don't, I don't think anyone thought that it was going to end this way when when he came into the club last season. I thought we all 
thought at the time we were onto something good and mm. you know there was a large part of that season where it looked like we might go through the playoffs or even automatically because we we looked back good and then the wheels fell off towards the end of the season and just never never recovered and it's it's clear now that there was stuff going on behind the scenes as well which you know we might not ever get to find out about unless Wilder does a war knock and goes on talk sport tomorrow and <laughs> <laughs> reveals everything and then the club can fire back but um yeah just very disappointing for it to end this way but hopeful for the future now that that we can bring in someone who's going to work with these players and you know get our season back on track and hopefully get us back where we belong good three words i think mine is another false dawn which is somewhat ironic because uh it came up on my memories this morning that we actually recorded a year ago today exactly the podcast name was another false dawn and i was hosting that one as well so very weird but yeah i think as well like, i know i've said three words there. i'm going to say another one um just a massive shame um because i again i just thought that as you said, as I said at the beginning, that we were on to a really good thing and that this is this that was it. I thought, okay, Borough have, have got the right man in and we're going up. And not necessarily promotion, but we're going on an upward trajectory and unfortunately it just wasn't to be. Uh, but that's it. Thanks for joining me again, Tom. It was a wild ride, but it's no more. Wild out, Edwards in. That was the Board Breakdown podcast, and this was all your match day chat in a pod. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.